it requires a change in mindset. Really, these wetlands have to be thought of as extremely valuable assets and critical components or parts of the water supply infrastructure. Hello and welcome to the Emergent Ecosystem, a Zimbabwean podcast about ecosystems, how they support our livelihoods and how we can steward them to create a better future. I now have intro music inspired by Tuku. Thanks very much to Kevin Hansen for playing and recording it for us. One of the most asked questions I've had this past week is how do I listen to your podcast? So you can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Alexa, Podcast Go, or on the Podbean app. Alternatively, you can like our Facebook page, The Emergent Ecosystem, so that you're notified when new episodes are released. Transcripts for each episode are available on my website, www.theemergentecosystem.wordpress.com. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your family and friends. It would help me a lot. Now, water supply is a very important issue globally, particularly in Zimbabwe, where access to clean water is limited. So this week's episode is on wetlands, the types, their functions, and how we can conserve them. My guest today is Rob Cundliffe. He is a leader in wetland conservation in Harare, mapping out the extent of wetlands in Harare, working for their recognition as ecologically sensitive areas. He's very well studied, but he'll tell us about that shortly. So let's dive in. Rob Cundliffe, welcome to the show. Good morning, Scott. Thank you. I'm really excited to hear from you today about the wetlands in Harare. But before we get into that, could you tell us a bit about your background, how you got into the whole field of fresh water and ecology in general, actually? Well, thank you, Scott. That's reasonably broad ranging. I'm a Zimbabwean to begin with, and I grew up in the rural areas on a farm. And I guess that's where, you know, that's where my interest in the environment came from or where it was kindled or enlightened, sparked off. And um, so I've always, you know, I've always had an interest and that's really what I followed in my career. So I studied initially botany and zoology at Cape Town University. I did a BSc there in botany honors. And then I came up to UZ here in Harare. And I did the master's course in tropical resource ecology, which is really a fantastic course. Um, I'm very lucky to have been able to do that. The nice thing about that was it combined the more scientific side also with the social side. So it started to bring people into the environment, as it were, or into the ecological considerations. And then much later, uh, following on fairly recently, actually, I've completed a PhD through Sapienza University in Italy, in Rome, which was looking at vegetation in uh, Gonaragior. My working experience has been really quite varied because I've worked as an independent consultant, essentially, for my entire working experience. So uh, I've done many different things during that, but all related to environmental work and many different fields. Coming to wetlands, I've done various projects in different wetland environments uh, over the years, but it's only in the more recent years that I've really been working quite intensively with the wetlands, particularly in Harare. Well, wetlands are one of these areas that really brings people and ecology together, just because 
water is a part of every part of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, uh, water, obviously, uh, wetlands and water very much go together and water and people very much go together. So, yeah, they, they're all they're very strongly linked. It's, um, they're all part of the same uh, complex issue, really. So how are the different aspects of wetlands connected? For example, the flays and water table, the aquifers, the rivers. How does the whole system actually work? Sorry, if we start off perhaps a bit more broadly or basically, wetlands are really anywhere where the water is on the surface or close to the surface, either seasonally or permanently. And so where water is a principal controlling factor in the environment. So that's very simply what wetlands are. And then if we look at kind of more practically and say, okay, well, what's a, what's a range of wetlands? And you get many different types of wetlands. So you get natural ones, you get also lots of human-made ones in the forms of dams and lakes and sewerage ponds, canals, those sorts of things. And the natural wetlands, we're talking about dambos, we're talking about springs, waterfalls, rivers, streams, all those sorts of water ecosystems. So there's lots of different types of wetlands. And when we come to Harare, then really we're dealing with these dambos and flays. So Harare is built amongst a network of headwater wetlands. We're right on top of the uh, catchment. In fact, the city is split into three different catchment areas, principally the Manyami, but also the Guibi and the Amwinzi catchments going off to the north. So we have this uh, the city built on the headwaters between these catchments and it's built among this whole network of headwater wetlands and these are really they broad shallow depressions and grassy in the natural state they're grasslands uh, with very few scattered trees and in the center of the wetland there'll usually be a drainage line and they're very much hidden wetlands in that the water is, for most of the year, it's, they dry on the surface. You don't see them, although the water is very close underneath the surface. And so it, many people don't really appreciate or have a good understanding of the fact that we do have all these wetlands and that these open areas that we see in the city are predominantly wetlands. So that's kind of a little bit of the background of you know how the wetlands occur. And Essentially, they now they occupy about a quarter of the city, and pretty much the remaining open areas in Harare are, are wetland areas. Virtually all the intervening area has been built up and developed now, and that's leading to great pressure to uh, extend development onto the wetlands. But I think that's a, you, you asked me a slightly different question, but that's sort of the occurrence of the wetlands in Harare. So what, what is the difference between a flay and a dambo? Uh, these are really, they're the same thing. They're different names for the same thing. These are these headwater grassland wetlands that um, they occur all over the Highfield country in Zimbabwe and extending north from us into Zambia and Malawi, Tanzania. All those countries have lots of flays, dambos and different names for them as you, as you go north. But they all function in much the same way. And what's exactly the function of, of a wetland as part of the water system? Wow. Wetlands, they do lots of things. So essentially what they do is they slow the passage of water through the system, through the environment. So when rain falls and you get the runoff and runoff accumulates in the depressions or the low-lying areas, which are where the dambas and flays are, 
So the water accumulates in there and essentially they, they slow, they soak up, they trap, they slow the passage of water through the system. So if you think of a, a developed surface, uh, a roof or a road or a paved surface of some sort, um, when rainfall falls on that, the water will flow off very rapidly and rush off downstream. And wetlands are doing the opposite of that. They are slowing, catching, holding the water and then releasing it slowly. So essentially what it does, it regulates the flow of water. So you get a much extended period of runoff and you get a less extreme peaks of runoff. So it moderates also flooding. It reduces the risk of flooding. In doing that, it does a number of other things. Because it's holding water in the system rather than releasing it quickly through, it then provides opportunity for infiltration into the groundwater and recharge of groundwater. And that's obviously an important aspect. And then the other thing it does is because the water is retained and sitting, it provides an opportunity for trapping silt and removing silt and cleaning water in that way and preventing the movement of silt further down the system. And again, this is a very important issue for cities like Harare, where your dams are supply dams are downstream of the city and are prone to siltation. And it also provides an opportunity for purifying water. So through the bacteria and the microorganisms uh, in the wetland systems, they are able to uh, re remove pollutants or neutralize pollutants in water. Overall, they really play a key role in terms of delivering clean water into the supply dams for the city, in this case, um, Harare. Sure. Um, and you've been quite involved in the actual conservation of wetlands in Harare. What work have you been doing and what have you found? I've done a number of projects with the, with the wetlands here. One was looking at the water supply uh, needs for Harare going through to the future. It was through to about 2030. So that was one project that I worked on. That was a number of years back. And then more recently, it was really through Harare Wetlands Trust and COSMO, the uh, Monovale Conservation Society, who have been very active looking after Monovale Wetland. And I was asked to do an ecological assessment of Monovale in support of the litigation that they're doing regarding development uh, within the wetland and on a number of other sites also around Harare. And my work's developed from there and through that. But it started off with doing these ecological assessments um, as support for litigation uh, efforts to try and prevent development on the wetlands. And since then, my role really has been, I've been providing technical input, technical expertise to the Harare Wetlands Trust. And the Harare Wetlands Trust, I'm sure you're aware, is an umbrella organization of, of individuals and of NGOs or civil society organizations that are interested in wetlands and concerned with the conservation of wetlands. So I've been working closely with them on a variety of issues, really trying to enhance and improve the protection of the wetlands. So these include things like mapping out of the wetlands, trying to develop guidelines, national guidelines for wetlands, uh, what's appropriate or not appropriate uh, forms of activities for different wetlands, and trying to contribute towards legislative reform or improvements to strengthen legal controls over development on wetlands. There's a, a variety of works that uh, I'm currently involved with uh, ongoing at the moment. There's quite a large legal component to the work that you're doing. 
both in developing legislation and in enforcing legislation, it sounds. Yes, very much so. And in this respect, Harari Wetlands Trust are partnered with Zimbabwe Lawyers for Human Rights. And their involvement comes from the fact that they consider water to be a fundamental human right and that wetlands here are uh, essential component of that or are essential to the supply of water. So they've been providing the legal support to Harare Wetlands Trust, really, and advice. So one of the things we've done is uh, been looking at the loss of wetlands. We did a study of 10 selected wetlands across the city or parts of those wetlands uh, using Google Earth imagery, analysis of Google Earth. And we had imagery for all of those from the year 2008, and then this was last year, so 2019. So we had an 11-year period. And essentially, over all those wetlands, the average loss was 50%. And so we're losing wetlands very rapidly. When I say losing, those are wetlands that have been converted to development, principally housing, but all sorts of different developments. It's quite significant because the Environmental Management Act that we have came into being in 2003, I think it was. And then in 2007, there were regulations published uh, which provided specific protection to wetlands. So essentially from 2007 up until present, that's the period that we're looking at. And that's the period when we've actually had specific legislation protecting wetlands. And despite that, we've lost 50% during that period. So very clearly, the legislation is not working very effectively. And essentially, there are loopholes which developers can exploit and do exploit, which enables them to go ahead and to develop on the wetlands. And this is what we're really trying to tighten up and see if we can close some of those loopholes and make it more difficult or make it impossible, actually, to develop on the wetlands. That's, you know, from the legal uh, side of things. So Harare is one of many cities in the world that, that's built on wetlands. Are there other organizations worldwide that protect the wetlands in cities? Very much so. The primary coordinating body for, for wetlands is the Ramsar. So Ramsar is an international treaty between participant countries. Um, So it's one of the early environmental treaties, international treaties, and it's one of the most widely adopted. I think there's close on uh, just under 200 countries that are signatories to the Ramsar Convention, including Zimbabwe. And it started off trying to protect migratory birds, waterfowl in particular, and over the years, it quite quickly expanded uh, towards protecting wetlands and realizing that wetlands were essential habitat for these uh, species. And they the primary organization concerned with wetlands, and they have tremendous resources and material and concerned with wetlands. So if you, if you want to know about wetlands and conserving wetlands and managing wetlands and any, any sort of issue to do with wetlands, Ramsar is your first port of call as to finding information and sources of information on that. The most recent Ramsar convention was held in Dubai 
And it had a particular focus of urban wetlands and recognizing the importance of wetlands in urban areas and looking at conservation in urban areas. So it brought together people from around the world. I was fortunate enough to be able to participate for a few days in that. We gave a presentation on the situation in Harare uh, that was under Harare Wetlands Trust. Um, but it brought together thousands of people who are interested in working with wetlands and in that respect, particularly in uh, urban areas. And I think maybe that's a good point also to mention that they have a, a program, a recent program called Wetland City Accreditation. The first group of cities have been accredited as wetland cities. So this is a Ramsar initiative and it's designed to uh, raise awareness of the importance of wetlands in urban environments and to promote the conservation of, uh, of that. And it, it brings together organizations and different cities where they are making particular efforts to look after wetlands. And we strongly, uh, we'd like to join that. We'd like Harare uh, to be uh, accredited as a wetland city. Um, We've missed the, the current application, but uh, we hope that in future we will be able to do that. Sure. So it's quite significant having a convention in Dubai, which is right on the migratory routes of a lot of actually our birds coming from Asia. Yeah, very absolutely, very much so. It's, but it does, I mean, as an international um, organization, it, it, it moves around the world. But that was, yeah, for the birds, that's particularly appropriate. And Ramsar is named after a city in Iran, which is where the, the first uh, convention was held. In what ways can wetlands be improved and developed in a city so as to enhance the way that they work? Uh, well, it's really uh, our understanding and belief of uh, the wetlands here is um, they work they probably work their best. It's not so much a case of enhancing how they work. It's more a case of leaving them be and let them work. So uh, historically, the city was built around these wetland areas and there was significant flow in the, in the streams and it was actually a barrier to movement around the city and to the development of roads. And so the city developed, the, the wetlands were more or less left alone and the city developed around the wetlands. And it's only, it's more recently as the city space, the city's grown tremendously, the population has grown tremendously, the demand for land has grown a lot. And now we're finding that the, the pressure is coming and people are extending development into the wetlands. And um, they're also coming under very heavy pressure through use for agriculture. What we're saying with the wetlands is it's not so much enhancing, but that they function most efficiently if you leave them as natural systems and you allow the natural biodiversity plant communities to persist and or reestablish. The biodiversity, we believe, has an important role in terms of its ability to catch and hold the water and also to, in terms of infiltration of the water uh, into, the, into the soil, into the water table. So really, it's in terms of managing wetlands in Harare, what we would like to see happen is them to be left alone as, in as natural a state as possible, and then to consider what uses are, uh, are compatible with that. Um, obviously, things like nature reserves or conservation areas or 
that's fully compatible with that. But there's also, there's many other uses of wetlands which one can think about which are not uh, necessarily detrimental to them. When we talk about restoring, in a, in a sense, we sort of say, right, we leave them alone and let them regenerate. One of the important things that we need to do is to take out the alien species, particularly tree species. Uh, so many of the wetlands here are... Uh, you will see lots of alien trees on them, particularly in proximity to the drainage lines. So it's important to get rid of those. But otherwise, it's really a case of trying to let them be, trying to avoid the, the other sort of serious impacts come through the dumping of solid waste and also through uh, effluent release, sewage in particular. There's a lot of sewage that's released into the wetlands, and that's a big issue in, uh, in Harare. And then there's also the other kind of types of degradation are removal of water, so excess pumping of water from wetlands, which relates to the water crisis in the city, and also the removal of sand in some areas. There's extensive areas of wetland, particularly in the south of the city, where the surface areas can uh, have a sandy constituency and the sand is taken for building, and large areas of wetlands have been destroyed uh, for, uh, through the removal of sand for building. So it's really trying to keep the wetland in a natural state, keep an eye on or prevent these uh, other activities or forms of degradation, so to keep the wetland clear of those. So that's really what we're looking at when we're trying to manage wetlands here in the city. So key things are to keep the wetlands from becoming polluted and to allow the regeneration of the natural vegetation on the wetlands. Yes, uh, absolutely. And to, and to avoid those physical impacts from extracting lots of water and uh, digging them up. And also, I mean, uh, the other form of degradation that we've seen here is, uh, and uh, elsewhere in the world also is draining wetlands. So deepening the channel and really draining the water out of the wetlands. That hasn't been an issue so much recently, but in the past, uh, that has taken place extensively in the city. Sure. I was just wanting to ask you more about the water table and and aquifers. How do those relate to each other and how does that system work, especially with the sort of extraction that we have nowadays? Mm. Well, I, I think we're all aware of the, the water problems in Harare. and. In fact, in many African cities and uh, in Zimbabwe also, virtually all the cities in Zimbabwe are facing similar problems. So as the water supply situation has deteriorated and the city has been unable to provide water to everyone on a regular basis, so there's been increasing reliance on groundwater. So more and more people have been putting down boreholes and or purchasing water which is coming from boreholes elsewhere in the city or surrounding the city. And so the, the use of groundwater is going up and up and up as the supply system is deteriorating. This is also coupled with uh, rapid growth of the city. So the demand for water has been escalating rapidly and is continuing to grow and to escalate. So we we needing more water, using more water, but at the same time, the supply is getting uh, diminishing. And so groundwater has really been taking up the slack. That means essentially what's happening is we're pumping water out faster than it's replenishing. 
in a sense, it's a renewable resource, groundwater, because you do get replenishment. Um, but in, at the present rate, we're pumping water out faster than it's infiltrating back into the groundwater. And so what that means is that the, the water table in general, and in certain areas to a different extent perhaps, but the water table is dropping. It just means that boreholes dry up or they dry up earlier in the season than they used to perhaps. Or one has to have deeper boreholes or your borehole no longer works and you, you can't do it. And so it's a, it's a deteriorating situation, which is really of great concern. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a very worrying situation. Sure. But on the other hand, what success stories have you had with allowing wetlands to regenerate in Harare? Probably the best work has been done with uh, Cleveland and with uh, Montevale. Uh, Mukavisi Woodlands, as we uh, know, is another conservation area which is under good sound management. But particularly in, in Montevale, it's, um, there's been, in a sense, low-level restoration efforts going on there for more or less 20 years. And really the importance of the monovale work has shown that if you do leave the wetlands alone, if you do uh, reduce the disturbances, then the natural vegetation can and will re-establish. So that's a, essentially the, the important lesson from there has been that, yeah, we can do it. It's, it is possible to restore wetland areas. And how that translates through into improvements in the water delivery has not really been documented and researched specifically for, for our wetlands. There has been work to show that there's improvements in terms of water quality, but not necessarily in terms of water quantity. But that's just, people haven't looked at that. There's very little research work being carried out or being carried out at the moment on, on wetlands. But basically, these sites show that it is possible to work with, it is possible to restore the wetlands. And it provides an example that can be applied and followed elsewhere in the city if the conditions and support are, are there for it. One of the very critical things is, is the agriculture. So prior to about 2000, there was relatively limited agriculture on the wetlands. But since that time, it's expanded and most wetlands are mostly covered with cultivation now. And so the natural vegetation has mainly been removed and in the most extent replaced with maize. That's the most common and extensive crop on the wetlands. So really, when we talk about restoration, a lot of it will be is trying to move backwards from that situation and to go back towards natural vegetation and communities rather than the agricultural landscapes. Yeah, that's quite a thing in terms of food security as well. There's a lot of human aspect to the water situation, isn't there? Tremendous, absolutely. And we obviously can fully understand and acknowledge the role of wetland areas in terms of food production. But in general, we really believe that it's, a, it's an inefficient use of the resource, particularly for maize. And given their critical role in terms of water and the fact that the city doesn't have sufficient water, we can't really think about sustainable development of the city without a sustainable water supply. 
regardless, we continue to expand and the situation is continuing to deteriorate. And so we really believe that the primary function of the wetlands should be to leave them alone and maintain them. And not leave them alone. It requires a change in mindset. Really, these wetlands have to be thought of as extremely valuable assets and critical components or parts of the water supply infrastructure. And that's of relevance to everyone in the city. So we've really got to build that awareness and understanding and so that people come to look at these as not just waste areas and unutilized areas, open areas, but as really important and critically functioning areas and integral to their lives in the city. You know, conservation is always like this, is trying to balance these competing interests and what's the public good and how do you balance that against individual benefits to people. So, yeah, but it's all about people and managing people and managing their expectations and beliefs. And, yeah, that's conservation. Yeah, indeed. That really is a fascinating aspect of, you know, all these these issues we have, the different needs that people have and how we supply our needs. Is there anything else you'd like to cover? I mentioned the mapping that we've been doing of the wetlands. Just to explain that maybe a little bit more clearly, what we're trying to do is to map out the remaining extent of wetlands in the city and then to gazette those as essentially protected areas. they are called ecologically sensitive areas in terms of the law. I mean, they are that by definition, but it's in terms of the law that you can gazette them as ecologically sensitive areas. And that then provides a, a means for uh, restricting development on those areas. And so that's work that we're currently trying to do together with the Environmental Management Agency. We try to support them in doing that. And so we, we're hopeful that one of the initiatives that may soon bring better protection to the wetlands in Harare. More than half of them have been converted already. The remaining half are quite seriously degraded in many cases. So we believe this is, is really critical. And then unless we do this, they're going to disappear. And we're not going to have open spaces sure. in the city in the future, and um, that's not going to be fun. Well, speaking about the future, what is the best scenario you can imagine in the future? What our best outcome would be that we see the wetlands that we have at present persisting, and in 20, 30 years' time, they're still there, they're still in place, that they're in good condition, they're under natural vegetation, natural communities, they're supporting a wide range of biodiversity, plants and animals, which they do under natural conditions, and that they're being used for nature reserves primarily, uh, but for other uses by the communities living adjacent to them, and that the communities are taking an active interest in and are primarily responsible for the management of local wetlands, and that they uh, have a better understanding and people value wetlands and see them as critical and important parts of the city and resources and part of their daily life, that they enjoy wetlands and are able to use them and to benefit directly from wetlands, uh, as well as through the provision of water. So we also look forward to a city that has a better water supply and a more sustainable water supply. And that's the sort of future that we would like, I think. Sure. Thanks so much, Rob, for joining us today. Pleasure, Scott. I'm very happy to talk and discuss about these important issues. And thanks for the opportunity to participate. If people want to find out more about wetlands and perhaps about what you do, 
Um, could you point them to any resources? In Harare, the Harare Wetlands Trust is a, is a good place to start. They've been working with wetlands for a long time, and so they're kind of the key go-to organization uh, in the city, I think. So that would really be my primary recommendation. Okay. Well, thanks very much for joining us today. Yeah, pleasure. Absolutely, Scott. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. That was Rob Cunliffe, an independent consultant and wetland conservationist. Find out more about wetlands from Harare Wetlands Trust. Their Facebook page is called Harare Wetlands. Also visit www.ramsar.org to learn more about wetlands and wetland city accreditation. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. If so, please share it with your family and friends or on your social media platforms. Thanks very much for listening and until next week, cheers.